Witness Docs from Stitcher. A note to our listeners before we get started. This story contains descriptions of assault and sexual violence. As I was preparing for my my testimony, I kept thinking, okay, how am I going to point to him? How am I going to look at him? How will I steal myself for that? And I actually went into the bathroom a couple times and practiced. Like, how do you look your rapist in the face? I'm Natasha Del Toro, and this is Verified. It's been a long, tough road for everyone involved in trying to bring Dino Moglio to justice. The entire investigation, all of the painful details of the druggings, the assaults, have led up to this moment. The chance for justice began when Belinda reported Dino to the police for raping her 16-year-old daughter, Crystal. That started a chain reaction. Dino surprised authorities with a confession, was convicted for rape, and served time under house arrest and in a military prison where he is now. This conviction also set the wheels in motion for Padua prosecutor Giorgio Falcone to start building a much bigger and riskier case around 14 women from all over the world. The same women who had banded together on Facebook. They were accusing Dino of being a serial rapist. You have to understand, an international rape case like this is truly unprecedented. A typical rape case with one plaintiff and one defendant is already difficult to bring to trial, even with physical evidence like rape kits. But here, Falcone had 14 women from different countries and little physical evidence. What he did have, though, was mountains of circumstantial evidence. That is, the testimonies of the women gathered by the reporters that he could use to try to establish Dino's pattern of abuse. When the ERP reporters had handed over those testimonials to Falcone, they did so knowing that if the case he was building ever went to court, they could be called as key witnesses. At the end of October 2018, that moment came. The case Falcone had been working on for years was finally going to trial. The reporters were called to testify. And the night before they were due in court, the magnitude of what was about to happen started to sink in for Alessia, Giulio, and Cecilia. I've never been in a trial. I have no idea how it looks like. Uh, but more than anything, I, I feel the pressure of the fact that whatever we say in the trial and the way we're going to be close to them in these days, it's gonna, it, it might potentially change the way the trial is, is handled. Not by the prosecutor, but, but by the judges, by the lawyers. Cecilia tried to calm the group's nerves by writing down a timeline of events that they fact-checked to make sure they got everything right. And they went over it again and again, late into the night. A lot of time had passed since I had, uh, you know, talked to Maria the first time. And so, so much had happened. And it was so hard for me to just make sure that I could have everything clear in my mind and, and be able to explain and answer to the questions of the judge in a clear way. That evening, they were staying in Alessia's village about an hour and a half from Padua. 
They were stressed, and everything was already feeling surreal. And that's when some surprise visitors showed up. Uh, Julia and I were sharing a bed, and at one point, I remember, I was trying to fall asleep, and it was just clash, like, it was horrible sound, like, so loud. I was like, what's going on? And uh, Julia woke up as well, and it was basically cows, like an army of cows uh, who were just walking down the mountain because Alessia's home is close to the mountains. And (laughs) we couldn't really get what was going on. And then we hear Alessia shouting and say, oh, come and watch it. It's beautiful. I mean, for them in in her village, it's like one of the most fascinating moments. And I was like, oh, no, I'm just trying to sleep because I have to testify tomorrow morning. It was still dark when they made their way to Padua from Alessia's house in the mountains. They saw the sunrise from the train. They arrived right on time and headed straight to the courthouse. The Palazzo de Giustizia in Padua is a grandiose building with courtrooms and offices on multiple floors. It's the same building where Dina was interrogated and where Crystal cried on her mom's shoulder during her testimony to a judge. Julia was not going to be testifying, but he was there to support Alessia and Cecilia as they took the stand. He even brought his tape recorder and had it rolling as the three of them prepared to enter the courtroom. So, yeah, this is the door, and I'm going to get in, and I'm going to turn this off. And I guess you will have to wait in the witness room in a minute. You mean you me and Cecilia? Yeah. Cecilia. Alessia and Cecilia. So, uh, do you know if Maglio is showing up? Is he already inside the room? He's not in yet. It's only his lawyer, but I'm going to go in and check. Can you take notes? Are you allowed to take notes? Of course I am allowed to take notes. So we had to wait until the judge is calling us? Yes, you will have to stay in the room for the witnesses and you will be called at your own time. So I'm going to get in now so that I don't miss the start of it. And um, yeah, I'll wait for you inside. Okay, see you later. Good luck. The prosecutor, Giorgio Falcone, called some other witnesses in the case first. And then it was Cecilia's turn. She was allowed to take her notes in with her, and she sat at a small table. To her right was a panel of judges who would be deciding the case together. In the Italian system, there's no jury. Dino's lawyer, Enrico Cogo, was to her left. Falcone started asking how she first learned of Dino's story. Then they began walking through the facts of the case. He would deposit evidence that he would first ask me if I would recognize that piece of evidence that we as a team had previously handed to the prosecution office. And if I would confirm, he would then hand it to the judge. So that's the way that the the trial worked. Cecilia carefully answered all of Falcone's questions, occasionally referring to her notes. Just as she was getting comfortable, it got harder. It was time for the cross-examination. It was Kogo's turn, Dino Maglio's lawyer. He started by challenging the evidence. The prosecutor asked me to recognize an email that I had received. That was the 9th of October 2013 email from Arnes, uh, uh, Maria's boyfriend at the time. Kogo argued that since Arnes had not been called as a witness... That critical first email that he had sent to Cecilia should be thrown out. And there was a whole, like, 
fight between the prosecutor and the lawyer in which I was just looking. I could not intervene. I could not say anything, but I was just thinking in my mind how absurd the whole conversation was. This wasn't the first time that Kogo and Falcone had gone at it in court. They'd faced each other in other cases over the years. They'd even gone to high school together. The judge interjected and said the court would accept the email as evidence. Cecilia tried to stay relaxed. She focused on telling the court what she knew. And I was looking at Julia sometimes to just had this feeling that, am I doing it right? And I saw him confirming. So then I just relaxed and I let the prosecutor lead. And since that moment onwards, I think it went pretty straightforward. But as the cross-examination was wrapping up, Kogo did something that caught Cecilia off guard. I mean, at one point, I just wanted to tell him off because he was asking whether our Center for Investigative Reporting as an NGO is also hosting migrants. And I was like, no, of course not. You know, I guess he was trying to prove that maybe we were making money out of the fact that there were all those foreign girls. I have no idea, but it sounded pretty annoying as a question because I didn't know whether I could just tell him off or like, you know, I was in court. Kogo was trying to rattle her. He asked for my press card because he said he was um, upset by the fact that nobody in the court, meaning the, neither the prosecutor nor the judges, had verified that I was actually a journalist. So I had to extract my press card and show it to him. And then he started asking, like, what is Irpi's uh, journalism production? Because he doesn't really have evidence that we're journalists and so on and so forth. And as I was going to reply, I was actually stopped by the judge who said this is not relevant to the case. In the end, Cecilia steeled herself. She deflected all the stuff that seemed like BS to her and just stated the facts. Cecilia finished testifying, and then it was Alessia's turn on the witness stand. She knew Falcone would focus on how she met Kate and the time that they'd spent together in Montana at Kate's home. Just like Cecilia, it was her first time testifying in court. Yeah, uh, well, it was, I mean, you know, you feel like you've been judged by someone because you have the lawyer, defendant of Dino Maglio, who is ready to destroy and to um, yeah, try to oppose to everything you're saying, and he did. Julia watched his colleagues, taking notes and trying to keep eye contact with them the whole time, in support. The experience began to feel like a deep breath to them, a major exhale after years of being so involved in this case. They were telling the truth, and they were being heard. All the Witnesses I heard that were mainly Cecilia and Alessia um, were strong, straight to the point, well-made. They did an excellent job. I was very proud of my colleagues. And, um, I mean, let's hope we made a significant push in the right direction. The reporters told their story with calm resolve, despite Kogo's best efforts to throw them off their game. But they also knew their next time in court, the stakes would be way higher. So, uh, and next time the the women will be there, the, the victims of Maglio will be there and we'll be there together. So, yeah, it's going to be another 
very, very interesting moment. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Giulio Gallerati, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant, Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. A few weeks later, the reporters headed back to Padua. This time, they would be joined by some of the women who were at the heart of this trial against Dino Maglio. The reporters had only met Kate and Maria in person, and meeting the whole group was going to be emotional for sure. And the weather that day seemed to reflect the mood. Today in Padua, uh, when we arrived, it was raining like hell. We are completely wet just to get to this room. So, um, yeah, it's uh, quite impressive. Uh, uh, Well, actually, there have been six dead because of bad weather and trees falling onto people. And, uh, yeah, it looks like the apocalypse. But, yeah, now we're finally here and... um, Cecilia and I are already here in uh, in Padua. We're waiting for Alessia, and in a couple of hours, even uh, um, Maria, Olga, Anna, Sara, and uh, Kate will arrive, and um, we're gonna have dinner together, talk, and get ready for the big day tomorrow. As they were waiting, their phones started vibrating. Text messages and calls started flowing from these women who'd landed and were now on their way to meet them. Maria was one of them and was keeping Cecilia updated along the way. I already had uh, some sharing of emotions uh, by Maria that I'm just going to read. She said, um, we just caught the train to Padua. It's very weird to do the same trip with it together five years ago because she's traveling with uh, Sara. It's also bringing a lot of memories. I think as soon as we step out of the station in Padua, our lunch is going to come out when she put like this green face. So that's, that's even before reaching Padua, like they just got the train from Milan to Padua. Kate was traveling a lot further, all the way from Montana, She'd stopped off in Oxford, England, where she'd spent her year abroad. She sent Alessia this voice message. I just feel like I could walk Oxford for days and never get tired of it. Because that's what I did when I was here. I just walked and walked and walked. I just want to do that all day today. I don't want this day to end. (laughs) Because I know at the end of it I get on a plane and I go to a courtroom. You know, I... I think the rest of my time at Oxford, I didn't let myself accept what had happened. And finally, I am accepting it here. Just as long as I keep walking, it'll be okay. Just keep walking. Then I'll never have to leave. And Anna was arriving. You haven't heard from her yet, 
but she's another of the 14 women in this case. She flew from Duluth, Minnesota, to face Dino. I still travel a lot. I still explore the world, and I think that's probably another reason why I had to come and be here as well, because um, I think as a woman traveler who travels by herself, there's a lot of stigma, um, and people say, oh, it's dangerous, or you shouldn't travel as a woman by yourself, or what were you thinking? And I even... um, there were some people who said, oh, you were you were asking for it because you were traveling by yourself and drinking. And so um, I think that's one reason why I had to come here. Um, and also a reason why I keep traveling because I have discovered so many more beautiful people in the world than this one man who's not. The prosecutor, Giorgio Falcone, had arranged for all these women to testify in person in Italy. The night before this crucial court date, it was a chance Dino might not even show. Cecilia explains. Uh, there's supposed to be another trial, like another hearing here in Padua with some of the um, victims. But that hearing did not take place because uh, Maglio, who uh, Dino was um, in jail, in a military jail in close to Naples, which is the same military jail where he was initially detained uh, right after the first time he got arrested. So him, who was in that uh, military jail, had um, a flu. So he, he did not show up in trial. So Prosecutor Falcone asked and obtained for him to be transferred to a jail closer to Padua. I don't exactly know where, somewhere around here so that there would be no further excuse uh, for him to push the hearings farther away because prosecutor knew that all the girls at the expense of the Italian justice were coming here tomorrow. So he said, like, I don't care. Like, if he's in a jail close by, he can even have uh, malaria. He needs to show up in court. And that's what he did. That's only the, the only thing that we know uh, at the moment, but actually, we still have to see what happens tomorrow. Because he might, you know, the lawyer might come up with some excuses. If the defense is trying to buy time, he can still sort of come up with some sort of excuse tomorrow. We're not 100% sure that Dino will be in court tomorrow. That night, the reporters had planned a dinner with the women. It was a moment for everyone to try and catch their breath and to bond before coming face-to-face with Dino in court. Over the years, Cecilia and Alessia had worked intimately with Maria and Kate and had grown close with them. But Giulio had never had the chance. Uh, I never spoke to them before, and um, I don't know how much they are aware of my existence. <laughs> I get, from their point of view, I've been working in the backstage the whole time, you know, investigating couch surfing. Uh, helping uh, Cecilia and Alessia, but um, but yeah, it's it's for me. It's gonna be the first time I'm gonna meet them directly. As Giulio and the other reporters waited for their guests, they talked about the courage it took for these women to travel here. They're coming back to this place after five years, after one of the most traumatic experiences of their life, and tomorrow they're gonna have to relive that in court. And they also are going to have to do that in a foreign language, in a 
different country that they can't feel too good about, like having went through everything they went through here. The restaurant was a place called Baccaro Padovano with a good northern Italian menu. Pasta, seafood, and white asparagus, a Venetian specialty. They took the large wooden table just to the right of the door, the only one that could fit their entire group. When Maria walked in, Cecilia recognized her immediately, but she had never actually met Maria's friend Sara before. Sara sat down and began to open up. Thanks to Maria, I'm here, because if it was for me alone, I, I wouldn't be here. Because the thing that I wanted was to forget and never hear about this again and, well, forget that he existed. But no, Maria stood there and, like, fight for it. And that's one of the reasons I'm here. And I think if you say that tomorrow, that already makes the case, right? Yeah, kind of. I, yeah, I do. Sorry, I'm so nervous. I'm not feeling like talking so much now. During dinner, the reporters tried their best to explain what would happen in court. They wanted to arm the women with information to take some of the pressure off. So, like, you're not alone anymore? You did the hardest bit when you were alone? Now, I mean, that part is done. Everything that happens from now on, it's... It's all downhill, right? It's all rolling. The, 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 possibly the hardest bit was to make it start. And there are a lot of people that want to thank you, should thank you for that. So you, you, you did the hardest part of the work already. Maria was trying to be present, but inside, her anxiety was building. Yes. It should yeah, we be have... like a celebration, but... Yeah, it, doesn't it doesn't make me less nervous. Like that. Of course, because it's you have to get back all the memories and all what it felt. So that's obviously very hard. But um, we, as Julia said, like what we've been doing, you girls have been doing on since 2013 on Facebook has been trying to get justice and trying to get this trial. So now, whatever, how hard that is, tomorrow morning you have to fight like a lion because it's your moment. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's be. fine. Like, the only thing I wasn't expecting was that he was going to be there. So that that's what's making me really nervous. But yeah, but if it's like Kate was saying that we can see him, I think that will be easier. I'm, I'm afraid that I just see him and I freeze and I can't say anything. Absolutely, I, 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 I really understand why it, it can be overwhelming, but you lead the game, everybody's here to listen to you, so do not, you do not have to play to, any, to, to dance to anybody else's music, right? You take your time. Sleep well, and text us when you get home. Okay. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Yes. See you tomorrow. The next morning, the reporters and the women all showed up early to the courthouse. They knew the prosecutor would call witnesses one by one. Each of the women also knew they would have to confront Dino for the first time in years. 
In order to protect the women, the court had set up a thin white curtain between the witness stand and Dino. That way, he wouldn't be able to stare them down and intimidate them from just a few feet away. But at some point, the prosecutor would ask each woman to stand up, walk out around the curtain, and identify her attacker. That harrowing scenario is what they faced as they walked in. Kate braced for her turn as each of the other women was called. She needed to get this right. It was strange because we were waiting for so many hours in that hallway behind the tribunal room. And all the girls who kept coming back after they had testified, they kept saying how hard it was to look Maglio in the face and point at him. And so as I was preparing for my, my, my testimony, I kept thinking, okay, how am I going to point to him? How am I going to look at him? How will I steal myself for that? And I actually went into the bathroom a couple times and practiced. Like, how do you look your rapist in the face? Kate rehearsed what she was going to say over and over again. Witness after witness had testified, but the judge kept not calling on her. It seemed that because the trial had already dragged on too long that day and they were running out of time, the judge was not going to let her take the stand. That's when Kate's lawyer, who had been quiet up until that point, stood up and spoke. He argued that Kate had traveled almost 5,000 miles to Padua and that she deserved to be heard. The judge agreed, and the lawyer came out to the hallway to get Kate. My lawyer told me, you're next. And so I was walking in the lobby, and I, trying to prepare myself for that, and I saw Olga sobbing with her fiancé. And in that moment, I was like, how dare he do this to these beautiful women? Like, how dare he do this? And I just, that's the anger I took with me into the courtroom. Kate looked confident as she took her seat. She kept her eyes on the prosecutor and the judges and started describing how Dino had drugged and raped her. I was really focused on breathing during the entire testimony. I didn't look at the defendant's lawyer. Um, I just looked at my lawyers and at Alessia, actually. I stared at them the whole time. Um, And I was very clear in what I said They kept pulling the microphone away from me, but I kept speaking directly into it because on one hand, I wanted to make sure the translator was able to understand me and translate correctly. But on the other hand, I know that Maglio understands English and I wanted him to hear my own version of the story in my own language. And I know he did. And it was satisfying to see, like, even though I had to give a very short answer every time, I could tell that what I was saying was ringing true. So um, being able to tell my truth, I think that's, that's what I'm trying to take away from this is knowing I said it to the best of my ability at the end of the day. I knew I was telling the truth and they did too. Um, and not every woman gets a chance to do that. And then the moment arrived that every woman testifying had gone through and that Kate had been dreading. Falcone asked her to come out from behind that curtain 
and face Dino. But it was strange when it happened, when the translator turned to me and said, in very broken English, just, you, please stand up and, and go point to him. It felt like it was going to be harder than it was. It's like that moment in movies where everything goes quiet and still, and it kind of time slows. I looked at my notes in front of me and like very carefully pushed my chair back and stood up and walked. And I felt like I was taking an eternity to do that. And I turned and I lifted my arm and I pointed at him and he was kind of talking to his lawyer and shuffling papers and looked a little startled. Um, but he didn't smile. I think he looked almost surprised because I, I was angry and it wasn't as hard as I thought it was. It was like in this gaze, I was able to say so much. It was kind of like a fuck you, but also like a, I see you. I know what you've done. Something about the power in her words and the way she stood up and pointed at him, the way her arm shot out straight and with conviction, it made the room fall totally silent. Kate's face-off with Dino left them all stunned. Kate was relieved. Her part was over. But now, it was time to listen to Dino defend himself. The moment he started speaking, I just felt like this overwhelming anger. And I know that I've been angry before. But when he started speaking, even though it was in Italian, and the translator was kind of translating poorly, I just wanted, it was, it took everything I could to not get up and throw something or scream. I wanted to scream so badly. I was sitting there gripping my chair until my, I actually like cut myself with my fingernails because I was gripping my fists so hard and trying not to cry. And during that time, I, the translator kind of looked at me and she had tears in her eyes and she said, I'm sorry, I'm just translating what he's saying. Um, and the other women, there was a secretary and the two women on the jury had this expression in their face of pain. Um, because I was hearing him deny everything I had said. And... I've never hated someone more in that moment. And that's what stays with me. I, as soon as he was done, um, I said a few words. And then I left. And I just, the moment I left, I just started sobbing. I kind of ran down the hallway and I sat against this column and I just cried. 
It was just horrible to hear him speak. I didn't think he'd be allowed a voice, and I know that it's fair. Um, but more than anything, that was the hardest part of the trial, was hearing him deny everything that had been said. He said, I didn't lay a finger on her. It was difficult for Anna to see Kate and all the other women so upset. My experience, it was bad, but I think the other women, like, there's a real fear in their eyes, and that was hard to see. And, like, when I would see them crying after coming out, that was, that was hard. So for me, I think my emotions when I went in there and saw him was more of... I have to tell my story because this man, it wasn't just about me. It's about justice and um, like the other women that he has hurt as well. Um, and then in a weird way, I felt kind of sorry for him because what kind of state do you have to be in and what kind of life do you have to have where you get to a point where you drug women and assault them. Like, what kind of mental state did he have to sink to to get to that point? women waited so many years to come back to Padua and face Dino. And now it was all over. All of them had come out from behind that flimsy white curtain and pointed their finger at the man who had assaulted them. They all did it. But there was more to come. The prosecutor Falcone and the defense attorney Kogo now had to prepare their final arguments, and that would take until springtime. The reporters would go back to tracking down mobsters, and Dino, he was taken back to the military prison near Naples to serve out the rest of his time for raping Crystal, the Australian miner. That put the women at ease, knowing he was behind bars while they waited to find out if the judges would convict Dino a second time, this time as a serial rapist. And that's where the story takes its next turn. Believe it or not, Dino is let out of prison for good behavior. He's going to be free and he's going to be still a policeman, right? I don't know if he can come after us for revenge or something. That's what scares me so much. And... Maybe he's involved with other policemen, and if I'm there alone, what can I do against police? Dino's on the loose. Again. 
That's next time on Verified. I'm Natasha Del Toro. This season of Verified is reported by Alessia Tarantula, Cecilia Onassi, and Giulio Rubino of IRPI, Investigative Reporting Project Italy. It's written and produced by me, Natasha Del Toro, Suzanne Reber, Senior Producer Dan Bloom, Bruce Edwards, Rachel Aronoff, Joey Fishground, and Shreya Nandi. Additional production by Grant Hill. Our editors are Peter Clowney, Gianna Palmer, and Ellen Weiss. Engineering by Casey Holford, Bruce Edwards, and Robin Wise. Our theme and original music are by Allison Leighton Brown. Special thanks to Andrew Haig for our collaboration with Ground Source. We are particularly grateful to the many women who spoke with us, both on and off the microphone, and trusted us to tell their story. Verified is created by Suzanne Reber and executive produced by Suzanne Reber, Ellen Weiss, Peter Clowney, and Chris Bannon. The show is produced by Scripps Washington Bureau in collaboration with Witness Docs, a Stitcher network. There's so much more for you to discover about this story and what's coming up on the show. You can find us on Twitter at VerPod and at VerifiedPod on Instagram and Facebook. Or you can write to us at VerifiedPod at Stitcher.com. If you like the show and believe in this kind of storytelling, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help more people discover Verified. Thanks for listening.